This is the recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Tuesday, November 28, 2023. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. Candidates in Illinois began filing yesterday to run in the state's March 19th primary election. In this region, Republicans submitted nominating petitions for a variety of offices. State Representatives Noreen Hammond of Macomb and Dan Swanson of Alpha each filed for re-election, and former Quincy Mayor Kyle Moore filed to replace Representative Randy Fries, who plans to step down after five terms. Republican Scott Crowell turned in paperwork to run for the seat now held by Democratic Congressman Eric Sorensen, who is in his first term. Illinois Supreme Court Justice Lisa Holder White is looking to retain her seat on the high court. Her district includes this region. White was appointed to the court last year. She replaced fellow Republican Rita Garman. And Republican Nigel Graham of Macomb filed in the Ninth Judicial Circuit, which includes six western Illinois counties. Graham currently serves on the bench. He was appointed when Judge Bill Ponson retired. The city of Galesburg is opting into a settlement agreement against DuPont and 3M over elevated levels of forever chemicals in city wells. Tri-State's Public Radio's Jane Carlson reports. PFAS are known as forever chemicals because they don't break down easily. Exposure to certain levels of the chemicals can be harmful to people's health. In 2021, Galesburg retained legal services to pursue litigation against manufacturers of the chemicals for any damages the city may suffer over PFAS that were found in wells at the city's water treatment plant in Aquaca. Partial sediments of that litigation related to DuPont, entities related to DuPont, and 3M have now been achieved. And the city council has authorized legal counsel to take all necessary steps to claim the settlements. This is city attorney Jim Kelly. There's no strings attached to the money, which is good. We can use it any way that we want. Uh, in terms of a time frame, the reason we want to get this in going quickly is that we need to have this in by the uh, end of the year, and that'll start the process. Kelly says the settlement amount is not yet known. But once the final settlement has been reached, it will come before the council for approval. I'm Jane Carlson. The Illinois Department of Transportation says a shortage in certified snowplow drivers could lead to a delay in getting roads plowed this winter. Snowplow drivers are required to have a commercial driver's license. The department is also encouraging people to be watchful for blowing snow and drifting in rural areas, as well as black ice. And authorities say people should keep ice scrapers, blankets, water, and non-perishable foods in their car during the winter months. Drivers are urged to watch their speed and increase following distances when it's snowing to avoid crashes. A company created by the University of Illinois to market its saliva-based tests for COVID-19 will close next month. Illinois Public Radio's Emily Hayes reports. Shield T3 LLC once had 172 full-time staff and contractors, but it was built for the pandemic and now test demand is dropping. Becky Smith is an epidemiologist at U of I in Urbana-Champaign. She was an early member of the SHIELD team and wasn't sure what to expect from the for-profit version. SHIELD T3 has used some of the profits they've made to innovate on this test and to make new adjustments, change things, add things that we wouldn't have been able to do on campus because our focus was really just campus. The saliva test was the fastest option before at-home tests became widely available. Smith says it kept infections lower at U of I than at universities that didn't use it. I'm Emily Hayes. 
Drought conditions across much of Iowa might impact this year's Christmas tree selection and quality. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Leo Winterer reports. There are approximately 100 Christmas tree farms in the state, many of which belong to the Iowa Christmas Tree Association. Bob Moulds is its president. He says that the dry summer has taken a toll on the growth of his crop. It was a tough summer. We raised a lot of fir trees here, and they did not grow out as well as they normally do. They just, their new growth in some, some of the trees is only a few inches. Mold says the stunted growth happened despite the development of an underground watering system to help the saplings grow. His farm watered the young trees five times this season. With regular moisture levels, he says, he doesn't water them at all. The association president says that ongoing droughts since 2012 have strained seedling suppliers as well. I'm Grant Leo Winterer, IPR News. One person is dead after a house fire in Dallas City over the weekend. A preliminary autopsy on 74-year-old Lonnie Lewis found that he died from inhaling smoke and carbon monoxide. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office says foul play is not suspected. The cause of the fire remains under investigation. In our feature for today, talking about climate change can be a tough job. That's especially true in places where audiences might be more skeptical of climate science. Climatologists and meteorologists across the Midwest and Great Plains say they're facing stress, burnout, and sometimes even death threats. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports. Back in 2021, Chris Gloniner was excited to start his new job as chief meteorologist at KCCI, a TV station in Iowa. He was moving from Boston to Des Moines to connect the dots between daily weather and climate change trends. It's something he'd honed over more than 15 years as a TV meteorologist, like when he covered flooding in New Hampshire. What's causing it? It's a combination of rising sea level and astronomically high tide. In Iowa, it got some viewers grumbling. It was, you know, I don't need to hear your liberal conspiracy theories on on our air. Take the politics out of your forecast. That wasn't surprising. He expected pushback. I just didn't expect the magnitude at the time and how quickly it went off the rails. In summer 2022, Gloniner started receiving a steady flow of harassing emails. In one, the sender asked for his address and said, we conservative Iowans would like to give you an Iowan welcome you will never forget. Glonginer had security, but says he still felt unsafe. You don't, you never know what hill somebody is willing to die on. Eventually, it became too much. After two years in Iowa, Gloniner moved back to the East Coast to be closer to his family and take a consulting job focused on climate solutions. While resistant voices can be loud, 90% of Americans are still open to learning about climate change, according to Ed Maybach with the Center for Climate Change Communication at George Mason University. Maybach says research shows people value hearing about climate change from trusted sources like meteorologists and climatologists. Even in very conservative communities across America, their audiences have responded with overwhelming appreciation for the effort they're making. But skepticism and hostility from the minority can be a challenge for people on the front lines of climate communication, especially in conservative states. I talked to climatologists and meteorologists in seven states who have encountered strong resistance like Melissa Widhelm, who spent years presenting the science to communities in Indiana. Every time you went out, you just weren't sure what you were going to get. You know, you always went in having to mentally prepare yourself that 
somebody could be there to cause trouble or not engage in a civilized way. In Nebraska, that became too exhausting for Martha Durr, who recently resigned as the state's climatologist. She says she didn't feel she had anything left to give the job. I went to school to become a scientist, and what I found myself doing the most of in this role is almost being a therapist and helping people through climate change. For nearly eight years, she tried to be empathetic and meet people where they were when it came to climate change. She pointed out local impacts that people could see in their own backyards. It was discouraging when her careful consideration ran into a wall of resistance. It gets tiring trying to convince people that science is real, and this is a fact. It isn't, it isn't a point of debate. If you want to do that, you, you can go talk to somebody else, but I'm not at a place where I want to keep doing this. When it gets tough for Melissa Widhelm, she thinks it might be easier in a more liberal state. But then she tells herself, There's nowhere else that is more important to do this work than right here in Indiana, because otherwise it would not be talked about at all. In Iowa, Chris Gloniner saw how much people appreciated his work. After he talked about the harassment on air, he received hundreds of messages from grateful viewers, which he printed out into a thick manuscript. You were very honest in discussing climate change, which I appreciated. So sorry that you were harassed by the extremists out there. Fort Dodge, Iowa. He hopes someone else will help Iowa viewers understand climate change. I'm Elizabeth Rembert, Harvest Public Media. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-State's Public Radio. In the weather for our listening area for today, sunny skies with a high in the mid-30s. Wind chill values could be as low as zero degrees. Northwest winds at 5 to 10 miles an hour should turn towards the south in the afternoon. For tonight, mostly clear skies with a low in the mid-20s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.